Can we just give the team and all the production, everybody a great hand. That was such a powerful thing, powerful moment. And uh, that's the sixth time that they've done that in the last two days. So good job, everybody. That's just every time they just laid it all out there. And uh, I just love, I love this because it's so worshipful, right? And I really believe that that's what Christmas is all about. It's supposed to be worshipful, and, and I just love it. So thanks for worshiping with us. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, if you're new, we love you, and we're glad that you've joined us today. Uh, so this is your first time. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're just really pumped that you've joined us. If this is your millionth time, we love you, and we're glad that you're here. And we just want to say welcome to everybody. So would you put your hands together and just welcome everybody who's, who's here joining us today? You're welcome here. We're pumped. And uh, Christmas, it's Christmas time. It's here, everybody. Christmas is here. And I have, I have literally just been so looking forward to this Christmas. I think probably more than any Christmas I can remember in, in recent memory, um, I guess that's redundant, remember in recent memory, uh, that this, I've looked forward to this one more than any other. I just really believe that I have. I feel like I'm a kid again looking forward to Christmas because if we've needed a Christmas ever, we've needed one this year, right? I mean, I've been pretty much sure I've been looking forward to Christmas since March. You know, just since about March, when can Christmas get here? And the other reason I've been looking forward to it is because I have a three-year-old daughter named Eden, and she is just the cutest thing, and she's been looking forward to it because she's figured out what Christmas is all about. Presents and candy and Christmas lights. She is just having like the time of her life right now. All of the candy, all of the presents that she's just having to watch and get ready for, and then all of the Christmas lights. How many of you go look at Christmas lights as a family? Anybody just drive around, look at it? Well, this is kind of something we do. It's fun. We drive around, and so she's just getting excited. And, and, and she's, she's one of these people, I just know she's going to be one of those amped up people because she just like shakes with excitement. Have you ever seen, like, oh, she literally just shakes with excitement. And so we're going around looking at Christmas lights, and uh, she's doing this thing where whenever she sees one, she go, Christmas lights, Christmas lights. <laughs> I'll, I'll forget about it, and then we're driving all of a sudden, Christmas lights, <laughs> out from the back. And she just gets super, super excited about Christmas. For the first 3,200 times, it was cute. And then after a while, you're just like, okay, I see the Christmas lights. But literally, I've been cool with it every time because I've just so looked forward to Christmas because this has been a crazy year, right? It's been a crazy year. I mean, this, think about some of the crazy seasons we've been in this year. I mean, there was the stay-at-home season. Everybody remember that? Quarantine? You just can't, couldn't go anywhere? That's where you moan. That's where you go, oh. It's like, yeah, remember that. Okay. Then there was the, uh, the toilet paper shortage seasons. You remember that one? And then uh, Zoom call season. You guys remember Zoom call season? Yeah, it was like not a lot of fun. I mean, it just, just wasn't. And I remember it ties into Christmas for me because I remember one of my first Zoom calls, uh, I went in and just grabbed a mug from the cabinet, filled it with some coffee, and I went to the Zoom call, and I wasn't even paying attention to what it was. And of course, we're in this quarantine season, this COVID season. We're in the stay-at-home season, and, and I had my mug, and it said, Jesus is the reason for the season. <laughs> so people are like, that's not really appropriate during COVID. You know, doesn't play the same during quarantine as it does during Christmas, 
But Jesus may not be the reason for COVID season, but how many know he's the hope for any season? Can I get an amen? Yeah. And he's the reason for Christmas, and that's why we're here, and we're really excited about it. And really, what I want to talk about just for a few moments, and then we're going to worship again, is really that's what Christmas is all about. The Christmas message is all about hope in the midst of despair, life in the midst of death, light in the midst of darkness. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about light in the midst of darkness. In fact, one of the Christmas prophecies about what Jesus would bring found in Isaiah, the Old Testament. There's a, there's a prophecy that says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Basically what it was saying is, hey, when Jesus shows up on the scene, it's going to seem really dark on the outside. But what Jesus is going to bring is light, and it's going to be from the inside out. That's what Jesus came to bring. And that first Christmas, he didn't disappoint. Luke chapter 2, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So what you have at the very first Christmas is a whole host of angels. We're not sure how many that would be, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of angels. There's stars, of course, we know that the Magi follow. There's shepherds who show up. It's a party. It's a light show. They're all praising God. It was glorious. It was amazing. It was powerful. It was strong. And although it ended in this glorious moment, what I want to talk to you guys just for a few minutes today about is that it didn't start with a glorious moment. In fact, it actually started with a lot of disappointment. It started with disappointment. Have you ever been disappointed at Christmas? Like when you open a gift and maybe you thought you were getting something really cool. You ever had that moment where you're like, oh man, I can't wait. It's gonna be, it's gonna be an Xbox. It's gonna be a PlayStation. Then you open it up and it's socks. Have you ever been to that moment where you're like, oh mom, th thanks. For socks. Have you ever found yourself in that moment where you're just like a little disappointed? There's usually two kinds of uh, groups of people when it comes to gift getting, all right? There's usually the people, there's like people who like to get lots of small gifts, and then there's people who like, no, just give me one big gift, one nice gift. How many of you would be in the camp that you like lots of little gifts? Anybody like lots of little gifts? Okay, a few people, all right? You just like get more is more, all right? You kind of, how many of you are in the camp that that no, I don't want a bunch of gifts. I just want one nice gift. Anybody in that camp? How many of you in the camp of no, I want a lot of nice gifts? You're just like all of the above. Yeah, I feel you. Got some bougie people up in here. I, uh, I, learned, I learned early on that if I didn't get specific with my parents what I wanted for Christmas, that they would get creative. And that usually didn't go well for me. So I got very specific. I would just make it, I would narrow it down. You know, they would go, what's your Christmas list? I want one thing. And I would well, just make a list, you know, because we might not be able to, no, I want one thing. And I would just ask for that one thing over and over and over and over again. And I found out that usually if it was reasonable, they would get me the one thing. You know, there's a lot of pressure, you know, and the kid's only asking for one thing. Was he really not? So I'd ask for one thing. And then I found out, it was a little Christmas racket. I found out that, that if I asked for one thing, they would feel bad having only one thing under the tree. 
So they'd give me the one thing, but then they'd give me some more things as well. All right, so it's a little Christmas trick. You can use this at home, except for my son who's right here. You just forget that you just heard that, all right, because that will not work on me because I know it. Um, but it was my little way of not being disappointed at Christmas, right? Like, I was like, I'm not, I don't want to be disappointed. And so my junior of, of high school, I asked for an electric guitar. I was playing a lot. I was actually starting to play for church, so I thought it was a noble cause. I thought they'd respect that. And so I was like, if I could get an electric guitar, that'd be great. And, uh, and so I just asked again, electric guitar, electric guitar, electric guitar. And so I got an electric guitar. It was really great. I opened it up, Fender Stratocaster, Squire. I was so excited about it. Went to open up the amp and uh, had those thick plastic straps, you know, on the box. And so I had, a, had to use a razor to open up. So I opened up the first one. And then the second one, I opened up and slit my wrist open. <laughs> In fact, you can still see the scar right here. And uh, my, I mean, literally, it was blood was gushing everywhere, all over the, all over the box, and all over Christmas. And uh, and so well, I had to go to the hospital, had to get uh, stitches, obviously. And it was right on my wrist. So guess what? I couldn't do for like weeks and weeks and weeks after Christmas. I couldn't play the guitar <laughs> that I had asked for for weeks and weeks and weeks. As clever as I was trying to be, I couldn't scheme my way out of disappointment. And you know what? Sometimes that's just true, isn't it? You can try. You can try to position your life. You can get real scheming with life. You can, you can do all of the right things seemingly on the outside to get yourself in a position of not being disappointed. And sometimes life is what it is. And you're going to find yourself in a season of disappointment. And maybe for some of you, that's been 2020. I mean, can we be honest? I mean, most of us probably, at least at some point, have been a little disappointed this year. Like, we've been a little, I mean, this hasn't been perfect, but some of you, right now, it's extra disappointing. And maybe you just feel like you can't get out of it. And maybe you feel like there's been some discouraging things. Here's what I want to talk about, because whether you're in a discouraging, disappointing season right now, or you're not, you will be at some point because life just brings disappointment. What I want to talk about for a few moments is how that first Christmas, that first Christmas, although it ended in glory, it actually started in disappointment for all of the characters who were there. And what it does is it teaches us that, that as we go through situations that are disappointing, as we look to the one who started this whole thing, Jesus Christ, this, the the one who was at the first Christmas, the reason for the season, we can find joy in the midst of despair. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three realities of Christmas that will never disappoint. All right, before we do, I want you to turn to three people and say, joy to the world means joy for you. Come on, tell three people, joy to the world means joy for you. Joy to the world means joy for you. Let me give you a couple a couple. Christmas realities that will never disappoint. First one is this. Christmas invites us in. Christmas invites us in. You know, the, I think one of the main messages of Christianity that I, that I find so inspiring and so beautiful and so unique is how welcoming Christianity is. And not only how welcoming it is, but literally how seeking Christianity is. Christianity doesn't just welcome anybody. It actually goes and seeks after everybody. That's Christianity. And you see it in that first Christmas. Luke chapter 2, 
It says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, how many of you ever heard that verse before? Just, just raise your hand. If you've ever heard that verse, you've heard that line, of course, this sounds very normal to us, doesn't it? Shepherds, manger, lambs, cows, angels, Mary and Joseph, hey, all of that sounds very normal for us. We're used to that. It sounds Christmassy, but for these, for these shepherds, rather, who are getting this invitation to go see the Messiah, it sounds very, very unusual. Angels appearing to shepherds saying, hey, I want you to come experience the newborn king. These guys weren't ever invited to anything, let alone the newborn king being born the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet God reaches out to shepherds. Let me tell you why these shepherds were not invited. They were considered outcasts. They were considered unclean because they worked with animals all the time in that culture. They were considered unclean so they couldn't come to church like everybody else. They couldn't worship like everybody else. When the shepherds showed up, everybody kind of moved over. That was the shepherds. Not only that, but they had a reputation for being dishonest. And so they were labeled, like, these are the people who are going to try to cheat you. And so these people didn't get invited to many parties, and they get invited to the not-being-missed event of history, the birth of the Savior of the world. I mean, this is like you and I get invited to, like, the Met Gala or the Oscars or front-row seats to the Super Bowl where the NFC champions will play the Kansas City Chiefs for the next 20 years. These guys got invited. They got brought in. They didn't deserve it. The excluded, the dirty, the dishonest get front row VIP seats to the birth of the Savior of the world. And what it does in that first Christmas communicates God's heart, which is to invite us in. The message of Christianity, the message of the gospel is to go out after those who feel like they don't belong. Actually, for those who don't really truly belong and bring them in. Not just to welcome them, but to go after them and say, hey, come on, I want you to be a part of this. That's Christianity. Christianity invites us in. And you see Jesus doing this over and over and over again as he grows and he starts his ministry. You see it with the woman at the well. Here's this woman, and she's lived a, a life of ill repute. She finds herself in a moment of desperation. In fact, a lifestyle of desperation. So much so that when everybody else goes out to get water, she stays home. When everybody else comes home, then she goes out because she doesn't want people to see her. She's ashamed of herself. She's ashamed of the life that she's lived. So she's got all this baggage all of this disappointment, and Jesus comes up to her and says, I've got a plan for your life. I want you to experience real worship. It's powerful. It's amazing. Christianity invites us in. You see with the woman who's caught in adultery. The woman caught in adultery is literally caught in the act, and any culture, that's a big deal. In that culture, it was massive. And they bring her out, and they're like, okay, Jesus, you're going to love her too? She's caught in the act. And Jesus says, absolutely. And he picks her up. He says, go and sin no more. I've got, I've got purpose for you. I've got hope for you. I've got life for you. 
You see it when he calls his disciples. Matthew, when he, when he goes up to uh, Zacchaeus, who's the chief tax collector. These guys would have been the mobsters of their era. And Jesus says, no, no, I want to go hang out with you. Come and follow me. This is Christianity. This is the message of the gospel, that God goes after those who don't belong and brings them in. And do you know who doesn't belong? All of us. Because we've all sinned. All of us. We've all fallen short. We've all done things that separate us from God. But do you know what God's heart for us is? To invite us in and welcome us home. So Christianity invites us in. But secondly, second reality of uh, Christmas that we see is Christmas leads us to worship. Christmas leads us to worship. So it invites us in, but then it calls us to worship. And we see this in the Magi or the wise men who come to that first Christmas, actually maybe the second or third Christmas. Look at Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. Scholars believe that maybe Jesus is two years old at this point. Where they saw the star and they've come. They've traveled from Persia. These would have been, these would have been astrologers. These would have been intellectuals, professors, scientists. They had wealth. They had power. They had prestige. And they leave following a star formation that, that some people believe is kind of what we experienced this week with the great conjunction in Saturn and Jupiter. They, they leave following this, and, and they end up where Jesus is. And so they come with high expectations of meeting this newborn king that they had been, they'd heard prophesied about in their region. And they come, and verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Now here's what I want you to think about. You gotta think about these wise men who had wealth, power, and prestige. They come, they come looking all decked out, probably in Gucci or Armani, and they show up to this house, very normal house, and this is what it says in verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Not a palace, not a castle, no entourage, no throne. It's just the child and his mom. Super normal. It's kind of like an entourage come pulling up in front of your house with escalates, you know, 10 escalates. The guys all come out in business suits, and they come up looking for this newborn king, and, and, and you just open the door in your Christmas pajamas, like, you know, with your coffee. It's just super normal. That's the, that's the setting. That's the setting. You know, Jesus is probably two years old. Maybe he comes running up. You know how two-year-olds do? Come running up, and maybe he's playing a little hide-and-seek game. And, you know, it's like, like come, on, come and catch me, Magi. Come and catch me, Wiseman. It's super normal. It's super ordinary. Who in their right mind would travel thousands of miles over months and months, over multiple years, People who have money, people who are prestigious, people who have stuff, who would do that to come worship a child? Only people who know that as great as this world is, there's something greater than this world. It's the one who made it. And only people who would believe that that one, the creator, the maker of all things, is also good enough to come and interject himself into humanity to bring humanity home with faith and hope in their hearts that this would be the one 
And instead of being disappointed, because you would think they'd be disappointed, no throne, no castle, no palace. Look what happens. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Do you know, do you know why they worship this child? Because they knew that at his birth, he was 100% human, but also 100% God. And God had come to redeem mankind. Christmas invites us in, but then Christmas leads us to worship. And then it, that, that leads me to the third reality, which is Christmas restores our identity. Christmas restores our identity. And the way we see this is in Mary and Joseph. You can see Luke chapter 2, it says in verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That verse is so simple, it's so basic, it's, it makes sense. I mean, she just gave birth to her firstborn. She should be excited. There were a bunch of angels celebrating. It's probably a pretty cool moment. There's lights, there's a light show. It's powerful, it's outstanding. You're like, yeah, okay, that makes total sense. But I think we missed how difficult this was for Mary and Joseph. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, of course, there was no room at the inn. No, it's not that. Finding a, finding a place to hang out was the least of their worries. What they had been through, this birth had brought a lot of problems for them. Because Mary and Joseph grew up in a small town called Nazareth, 400 people. Have you ever been to a small town? You ever know anybody from a small town? Everybody knows everything. <laughs> everybody knows everything. So you have these two teenagers that are engaged to be married, Mary and Joseph. Mary ends up pregnant, and she says, God did it. And everybody's like, you gotta be a special kind of crazy <laughs> to say God did this. We know what happened. So they had shame, they had disappointment. They felt like outcasts in their own community. And when Jesus shows up, Mary ponders these things in her heart. She sees the angels. She sees the shepherds. Ultimately, the magi will come. And you know what happens in that moment? Jesus lifts her shame and restores her identity, even as a baby. Isn't that awesome? And you know that's exactly what he will do in his ministry. That's what he wants to do. He wants to lift our shame. You know, shame is something all of us experience because all of us have sinned. All of us have messed up. All of us have made mistakes. We've all experienced shame. God wants to lift our shame and restore the identity he created us for. And, and it leads me to a, a passage in the Old Testament found in Isaiah. Isaiah 61 says, To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's a prophecy about what Jesus will do, and that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he does, and he started with his mom and his dad. He continued all through his ministry, and he still does it to this day. He lifts shame, and he restores identity. And, it's, and it happens when we stop trusting in ourselves and we start trusting in him. I, I want to show you a, a story of a family in our church that went through some, something very, very disappointing and how God, through his goodness and his grace, through the Holy Spirit, 
brought hope into encouragement and encouragement to them uh, in their time of despair. Let's watch. I was born and raised Catholic. When we left church every Sunday, it was like, it wasn't something where it was a part of our everyday being. Growing up for me was pretty standard, I think, for, for someone growing up in the Midwest. We went to a non-denominational church every Sunday, which I think when we first met was very different because we didn't understand each other's concept of who God was and what he did in our life. It was very easy to be complacent. One day we were driving down 291 and we looked over and there's this Summit Park Church sign. We're like, oh, I've never seen that before. And we're like, oh, okay, we'll give it a try, see, see how it is. Worship crushed it and then a couple minutes in, Ryan elbowed me and he was like, this is the place. It was the first time in my life um, that I, I really kind of felt, you know, the presence of God with me. The, the message was entitled Fresh, and that's kind of where we were at our journey at that time, trying to get God back in the center of our lives, because at that point, He was there, but not we weren't centering on Him. We came back every week. We felt like we were putting God at the center of our life. We really felt like for the first time as a married couple, we were doing it together, and it was great. But as everyone knows, just because you're following God doesn't mean everything goes easy. I got pregnant and then it didn't work out. That happened again and then with twins and it didn't work out and I was angry and we didn't understand. We were going to church, we were tithing, we had community. I was angry, I was angry at the world, I was angry at God, I didn't know what I had done wrong, why was I being punished. So that year we got pregnant again, and we had our third daughter, who was a miracle and perfect. Last year, we lost our fourth little baby. What I know about God now, you come as you are. You know, God takes all the wrongs and, and all the, the, the messed up things that, that I have and says, that's okay. Prior uh, to having faith in our lives and in our marriage, we probably would have reacted completely different. You know, things happen in this world that we don't, you can't do anything about, but knowing that ultimately, you know, he's with us. And we'll see them again. Yeah. The in, yeah. And that's comforting. Yeah. And I don't think you can find that comfort anywhere, anywhere else. else. And if you think about what, where our journey went and then into 2020 where it was like now you're stuck at home with your kids and you have to be with your kids all day and it's like, but I have them to be with. I think having that perspective really is the only thing that gets me through those down days um, because they're the best three little girls that I could ever ask for. We now look forward to, to 2021 and beyond with a renewed sense of hope all because of a, a baby being born in a manger. And I think for us, it's pretty special. Come on, isn't that great? Can we just thank God for that great story, Ryan and Jess? You know, it's just a great little testimonial how in the midst of disappointment, 
no matter how disappointing your disappointment might be, if you have a real faith in Jesus Christ, God can take your situation and he can bring hope and he can bring light and he can bring life to you in the midst of your disappointment. That's the message of Christmas. It happened at the first Christmas and it can happen at every Christmas if we just look to God. I think that's so encouraging, especially this year. Now, I know for, for a lot of us, it has not been what we wanted it to be at the beginning of January. Maybe you had these big dreams of what it was going to be like, and you're going to go places, you're going to do things. Nope. <laughs> a little disappointment. But you know what happens? You know what can happen? Is if you have a real vibrant faith in the Lord, even in the midst of relational disappointment, financial disappointment, physical disappointment, even in the midst of the worst of the worst disappointment that you could ever experience, when your hope is rooted in the Lord, you can have light, you can have life, you can have hope. God wants to bring beauty from ashes. That's what he does. And it's what he will do every time we look to him. Every time we say, God, I want to invite you in. I want to invite you in. Lord, I center I center myself on you. And I love what Ryan and Jess say. They, they said, and it, they said it together. It was kind of, it was cool to see them. The, the unrehearsed unity there. We're like, we couldn't find it anywhere else. And you can't. That's the reality. You cannot find what you can find in Jesus anywhere else. This world is never going to satisfy you. It's never meant to satisfy you. But God, real hope in him will always satisfy you. God will take your sin, he'll take your shame, he'll lift it, and he'll give you hope. And that's what I want to pray for all of us. Would you mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes? I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person who's here, every person who's undoubtedly, Lord, going through a little bit of disappointment, some more than others. Lord, I pray that you would bring hope and light and life and that this Christmas we would be reminded of the treasure that we have in you, that the hope that we have in you, Lord, it's beyond anything that this world could ever give. And Lord, we thank you for it. We, we praise you. We worship you for it. And I pray that, God, you'd bring real hope bring real hope today to those that are hurting. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just take a moment and ask two questions. I want to speak to two groups of people. Some of you, you're here today, and if you're honest, you're like, man, this, is, this has been a disappointing year. Or maybe you're just going through a disappointing situation. You're disappointed in yourself. And so you're excited about Christmas, but you're just disappointed. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would bring his hope to you. You say, man, that's me. I'm, I'm just, honestly, I'm just a little disappointed. Would you just lift your hand all across this place and say, man, pray for me. Hands going up everywhere. Yeah, I feel you. Hands going up. Just let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now, bring hope, bring life, bring joy, bring peace, bring grace. Bring beauty from ashes. And I thank you for it, Lord. You can put your hands down. Keep your heads bowed. I want to ask one more question. Some of you are here today and you say, you know what? Scott, you're talking about a relationship with God. You're talking about good news. You're talking about the gospel. 
If you're honest with yourself today, you'd have to admit you're not right with God. You don't know God. God's not in your life. God's not a part of your life. You're here today, but, but this, is not, this is not hitting you on a personal spiritual level because you, you're not right with the Lord. I want to tell you, you can be right with God and have all of the hope and all of the light of Christmas available to you if you just look to him. You just put your hope in him. It's simple and it's powerful. If that's you today, you say, man, I'm not following God, but I want to. I need Jesus. I need my shame to be lifted. I know that he's inviting me in and he's giving me something to to worship that's worthwhile. That's, that's what God's doing in your life. And if you'll just respond, you don't have to be perfect. All you have to do is turn to him and say, God, I want you to come in. If you'll do that, God will change you from the inside out. If that's you today and you say, man, this is speaking right to me. I need to make a decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time to follow Jesus and make him Lord of your life. As Ryan ingested, make him the center of your life. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, Scott, pray for me all across this place. Just lift it up. Hands going up. Hands going up. It's awesome. It's awesome. God sees them. Lord, I pray for every person raising their hand. I pray that, God, you would speak to them. I pray this would be a new day. This would be a day of hope. This would be a day of life. This would be a day of light. And, God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me? I want to take a moment. I just want to, I want us to respond. We're going to sing a couple Christmas carols. And we're going to worship. And if you made a decision to follow God, this is going to be powerful because literally heaven's coming online for you in a new and a fresh way. Uh, if you know God and you've known him, this is going to be a powerful moment because you're connecting uh, with God. And so we're going to take a moment. We're going to worship. You should have a candle that you got when you came in. If you don't mind, take that. You can turn it on. Just twist that bottom there. And uh, it's a beautiful moment when we do a candlelight service, and Christians have been doing this for a long time, you know what this is? It's symbolic of light coming into the world. It's symbolic of light coming into our hearts. So as we sing this song, as you look at this candle, as you worship, as you think about the lyrics of these Christmas carols, think about hope coming online for you in the midst of whatever you might face and say, God, thank you so much that you came into humanity as a baby, that, that you lived a perfect life, you died a death that you did not deserve, but then you overcame death, hell, and the grave to give me hope, to give me life, to give me light. Let's think about that. Let's worship. Let's thank the Lord. Let's celebrate light in the midst of darkness.